Welcome, everyone, to the Movie Machine Podcast, presented by Hot Chocolate Media. I'm your moderator today, Kyle Decker, and joined with three esteemed guests who are uh, media luminaries, if you will. We have our writer, Dave Trailer, who's Clint Eastwood's mumble interpreter on The Mule. We have Kirsten Wade, our director, who's Rachel Weisz's snark coach on The Favorite. And Jacob Gulliver, our producer, who was the dustpan grip on Avengers Infinity War. Well, it was a lot of work. Made that film, sir. I have carpal tunnel. So, your story, your prompt today, starting with a writer, it's a lighthearted drama. The main characters are a lucky schoolboy and an irrational adventurer. The major event of the story is a spiritual experience. A lighthearted drama is no easy task, I gotta say, but uh, you know what? Neither is interpreting Clint Eastwood these days. I, I, I Unless you're a chair. Unless you're a chair, of course. That chair has heard and seen some stuff. Now, with a lucky schoolboy, an irrational adventurer, and a spiritual experience, the thing that I'm immediately thinking of here is is mummies. And uh, specifically, I think that we can actually make this a lighthearted historical drama. Uh, I think that if we go back and tell the original tale of the discovery of King Tut's tomb, we've got, of course, the irrational adventurer, which is, I believe, Lord Carnarvon uh, himself, and then I'm imagining a uh, schoolboy that wins some kind of contest back in England to go on this uh, grand adventure to Egypt with Lord Carnarvon to hopefully find the tomb of King Tut. The, the Charlie Bucket of... of- Archaeology. If Absolutely, you yeah. yeah. Um, it's it, except instead of it, in this case that he might win a, a contest or get a golden ticket to go tour a chocolate factory, he uh, wins a contest to uh, go into the desert and possibly contract malaria. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that we follow the historical narrative as closely as possible, except where it makes sense not to. So if uh, instead of the initial discovery of the candle poking through the hole in the wall into the tomb of King Tut. We have a uh, a ghost that's still sitting there of just some Egyptian laborer that was just especially spiteful about being entombed with King Tut there, and, and his first words are, "I don't know. We you uh, you you waited this long? Like I've been here for a long time now." And so mm. the, we we got this really awesome ghost snarky character that can go along. Gonna need help with that snark. I know that that's your department, Kirsten. Mm. So we have kind of a lighthearted adventure to try and not only uncover some serious history and find out one of the backstories of quite possibly the most famous mummy of all time, but then there's also what starts off as a side quest, but it becomes the main quest as our characters try to find out how to set this Egyptian laborer's ghost at ease and uh, uh, find out what was the unfinished business that is keeping him tethered to the mortal plane. I think that this can be an all-ages romp. Wanted to get the word romp out there. Um, I have a condition. Now, um, some spiritual experience is happening all throughout the film as our uh, as our snarky Egyptian ghost. You know, he can't. He's got some kind of curse that he can't quite tell them exactly what happened. He can only kind of give them hints, and so they have to allude to it. And therein lies the fun. All right, and you get a title for this mummy adventure. 
I am thinking the tomb of kings and beggars. So, Kirsten, you get a script written on papyrus, not the font, oh but on the material. Also in papyrus, the font. No, it smells old, but it's mm-hmm. also kind of fresh. So how are you going to basically take this uh, old dig, if you will, and put a museum exhibit on top of it, if you will? Well, I I have to say I, I can feel, you know, the energy of this script. So I take it to my papyrus guy. Um, I do have a papyrus guy. And he translates it for me. And through several months of hard study and translating and trying to catch the real meaning, we do like the script. So um, I would say that I I like that this is going to be more for children. I like that it's going to be a little lighthearted. But if I can hearken back to the days when kids were allowed to be just a little scared, you know, where kids' movies were able to have danger, where kids' movies were able to be just a teeny bit frightening. You know, obviously, we're not going to have mummies ripping heads off of, or anything. But, you know, uh, have a real sense of adventure and danger. You know, you think of movies uh, like Stand By Me or uh, really a lot of... Or Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. You know, before the PG-13. Exactly. So um, I do want to... Gotta really enunciate that title. (laughs) (laughs) Very different movies. Very different movies. Uh, I directed both. I would like to, you know, have it sort of be for older children or well-adjusted younger children. And then in terms of having this snarky mummy, I like it, but I was kind of hoping that all of the mummy's lines would be in ancient Egyptian. You know, I, I, I really have to say I love multilingual movies. We're going to have a lot of English people wandering about. If we could just have a real component to the movie where we can bring in those old languages, we'll have to hire somebody who's able to sort of translate because, you know, <laughs> my guy can read, but he can't uh, speak it. So uh, we'll just have to find another guy. For the actors, I was hoping that uh, maybe Lord Carnarvon could be played by somebody British, somebody who could look friendly, but also could be a bit austere. David Wenham? I don't know if he's been doing too much. He might be happy for the job. Um, I think he's been in a box since uh, uh, Iron Fist. Oh, well, good for him. That's where much he like wanted to be. Much like in Iron Fist. They just left yeah. him in the box. <laughs> let's pull him out of that slump that Iron Fist was, and let's give him something that he could really have fun with, something he can play around with. For the kid, for our plucky schoolboy, I really do want to capitalize on that Stranger Things sort of love that's going on right now, but Finn Wolfhard, I feel like he's just been a little overused. He's talented. I'll give him that. But I really like Gaten Matarazzo. I haven't seen him in anything else. Maybe he is doing which, other which things. Which one is he? He was, he, oh, I forget the character's name. He's uh, the goofy one. The Dustin? goofy one. Dustin, oh. thank you. Oh, Brontosaurus Sweater. Okay. Yes, yeah. Brontosaurus. Yeah. yeah, so if Mr. Brontosaurus Sweater could join us on this adventure, that would be fantastic. And then... Um, Can he do a British accent? Tell you know, that. I haven't seen him try but by golly I'd like to I'd like to see that go and then for our mummy if we could get somebody who's really hot right now somebody who 
could be bringing in the audience and bringing in not just the parents with their kids, but the non-parents without kids who might want to see this type of film. Rami Malek is who I'm looking at. And he wasn't, he did play a mummy slash pharaoh in Night of the Museum. So I know that he does have those specific chops. And, you know, uh, with Bohemian Rhapsody doing how it's doing right now, I feel like this is a really good minor step down, you know, into something that's just going to be a little bit more fun um, and a little Oscar Beatty. Uh, and he's ethnically non-specific, so you can totally play an Egyptian. He's actually Egyptian, if I recall. <laughs> well, so, uh, yes. Yeah, most Americans don't know that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that would be helpful as well, because Lord knows enough movies about Egypt have been entirely whitewashed. So I would only like to minorly whitewash this okay. if possible. Progress. Right. So... Jacob, our producer, you've got a cast, you got a script, you got a concept. Uh, you feeling this thing? What kind of money you want to throw at it? Or do you need to blow it up or bury it, if you will? Well, you know, I, I have I have good news and bad news in that regard. You know, I've spent a lot of time uh, cleaning up the dust and, you know, it's it got all over the studios, you know, so I've, I've been sweeping and gathering everything up and you find a lot of interesting stuff in amongst the dusts, notably uh, the budget for our films, left leftover $100 bills that executives have blown their nose into and left on the ground, so I have a, I have a small amount of uh, money there. And then they I've, use them to balance off out the tripods Infinity War, oh, right, stacks yeah, yeah. of them. I've got a little stack of cash, I'm, I'm not super, super rich, so I can't, can't afford tons and tons. The other thing that I've got that I've pulled up off the ground that they have used as props and or uh, have fallen to the wayside are abandoned contracts for various different branding deals that haven't fallen through. So I'm hoping that we can pull in the, the money that we need from that. So flat out, I, I got about $15 million to make this movie. I know it's not a lot, but that's that's what's there. However, I am sitting on a $10 million deal from KitKat. If we can find a way to, to bring them in somehow. Uh, and I have a $20 million deal from Crayola. They're looking to promote uh, some crayons, and uh, they do colored pencils as well, markers, fancy paper, uh, watercolor paints, I'm told. I don't know if they do anything else now. Maybe there's like a, a cool coloring app or something, but... That's what I got, and uh, I think I think your your cast is cool. Rami Malek is super hot. If you can get him for anything, any amount of our budget, that seems appropriate, and uh, that'd be great. But you know, I think the others are all stretch goals in my mind. Uh, beyond that one, the other thing that I would like to to see is I would like to see some nice scenic views of Egypt. There's mm. there's cool stuff there, and uh, I think maybe I can I can swing some. Uh, I can maybe swing in a few bucks of my own for a drone if you guys want to get some nice aerial views of Egypt that I can I can sell to the tourism board. That sounds sounds pretty good. So uh, all in all, I'll let you guys tell your story. Do whatever you want. I'm just trying to come out on top on this one. So that's what I got. Great. So uh, our writer, you got some notes from the studio and your director. So you're either dealing with a shoestring budget of $15 million, but pure artistic integrity. But if you can wedge in in your period piece... Both Kit Kat and Crayola, you're looking at, you know, a $50 million budget film, basically, which is nothing to sneeze at. It's not big budget, but you're not necessarily cutting corners. $50 million, you're not cutting corners. $15 million, you're cutting some corners. So, so it's up to you, probably as the writer, to try and wedge those in. So how do you want to try and wedge that in? Or do you just take the lower paycheck to make art that you want to make? 
Well, as far as I see it, since we're having a historical, lighthearted drama that's dealing with ghosts and mummies and uh, adventures of that kind, I feel like if we put in some anachronistic stuff, I feel like we could, uh, we could, we could, you know, make that plausible to a certain degree. I mean. They made Gods of Egypt, so, I mean, why can't we make our movie? Here's what I'm thinking. We work in that, I, I, I can amend the script to work in the Crayola angle to have the invention of the crayon. See what I'm going, see where I'm going? Perhaps the lighthearted schoolboy, he's complaining throughout this whole adventure that uh, he doesn't have anything, uh, uh, that he doesn't have anything uh, great to, uh, to draw pictures with, or he wants to, like, um, make visual representations of all the things that he's seeing on this amazing journey throughout Egypt and everything, and then towards the end he's like, ah, I got it. Wax that's colored and on a paper that's going to look super shiny. And Lord Crayola. Yes. Can can help. Yes. Absolutely. I'll throw some money behind that young lad. Turns out, yes, that's the Crayola. reveal at the very end, is that his father is Lord Crayola himself, who I'm sure was uh, a historical character of some kind. Now, um... <laughs> So, because, yeah, the floodgates have been opened here as far as a historical accuracy goes, so why not play fast and loose with that one? As far as Kit Kat goes, it's going to be a little bit harder. However, I think that Rami Malek's character, I could write somewhere in there that he's got a recurring catchphrase. Perhaps it's just simply, give me a break. And then I, th I feel like maybe if there's if we can't get actual Kit Kats in the movie, we can at least get the catchphrase in there. You know, just... Give us some money, Kit Kat. We really need this. I think that, yeah, oh, we're, we're going to put the catchphrase in there, and then that should suffice. All right. So hopefully this covers what the contracts Jacob found to get that money. We'll see. He'll weigh in on that. A, a catchphrase. Case. Your mummy has a catchphrase now. Mm -hmm. There's a side plot of the precocious young schoolboy's father being a powerful colored wax Baron, and yeah, how you feeling about this? I, I feel like you all need to open a history book at some point. By the time King Tut's tomb was discovered and opened in 1922, Crayola wax crayons had been around for 19 years. So we don't even need to do any fudging with that, I don't think. And perhaps our schoolboy can be creating the map with those crayons, have them on him, have them on screen. Um, the logo may have looked a little different back then, but we can fudge that. I feel like that's a good amount of fudging. Um, I do like, though, because Kit Kat is not quite as old as uh, the discovery of Tut's tomb, I do like the idea of giving a catchphrase to the mummy, since he's already gonna be kind of snarky. Maybe what we can do is the mummy, an Egyptian, says something to the young boy. The young boy says, give me a break. And that's the only English that our mummy speaks, um, which really just puts emphasis on that. At the end, maybe during the credits, knowing that this is a bit winky and naughty, you know, uh, we know that we're kind of messing with things a bit here. If we can just have our actors eating Kit Kats and staring into the camera during the credits, <laughs> I feel like that would create a little bit of buzz as well. Um, just staring directly into that camera. They'll have about two packs of Kit Kats each that they will need to complete. But once you've had this lighthearted, you're in a good mood. Mood, you're feeling great. Kids are excited. Kids are already halfway through the movie going to be looking at toys. Along with that Crayola, since we are going to be sort of bringing that focus in, maybe we can have the mummy 
talk about his past, but all of those sequences can be animated and stylized to look like Crayola drawings as well, which again would just be a little bit more fun, keep it light. And I do like the idea of adding little animated sequences throughout the movie just for everyone's enjoyment. All right. Jacob, you've got your, your team really trying to tackle the product placement hardcore. They're, they're suckers for that money. Are you happy with that? Well, you know, it's not really up to me. It's, it's a yes and a no. I think the, the Crayola thing is, is cool. I like the idea of Lord Crayola. Can he have, like, uh, a hat with a crayon on it or something like that? Mm -hmm. Instead of a feather? Yeah. You you know, some sort of, like, indication of his royal waxness. Mm. Okay. Will he wax poetic about that? Probably. You know, that's not really my my area. Will will he take obvious colors like red and give them fancy names instead, like, crimson? Yes. Firebrick. Yeah. We'll have a, we'll have a comment where he's very fashionable and he's always the the best dressed guy on the screen and then mm. you know we'll ask him just like wow that's a great suit. It's burnt sienna, thank you. Mm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or would you say that his suit is mummy brown? Mm. It's very good too. It's a color. Um so the in regards to the Kit Kat thing, give me a break is fantastic. I like the, the. I talked with Kit Kat. They're okay with us bending the timeline a little bit. Okay. And the, so it's okay if we put in like an original style Kit Kat, you know, like one of these guys. Oh, yes. Uh, I'll, uh, you can't see it if you're listening to this, but I'll just put it close to the microphone. It, so. It's very old timey. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Kit Kat, but old. It looks like it should be in C rations on Normandy. Right. The colors are so muted. You can hear the 45 seconds it took to design it. Right, yes. So the, the other thing that we'll do with that is we're going to release the movie uh, in the fall, pretty close to Halloween, and we're going to market it with the, the kind of branded Kit Kats. Also, your your title, the Kit Kats didn't really jump on it, but they came up with an alternate that I think is perfect, Wrapped Up, because that oh. goes with the Kit Kat wrappers, and we're, they're releasing a special Kit Kat Wrapped Up branded one right before Halloween. Kids love mummies for Halloween. That's like a classic costume. Adults love mummies. They just buy a bunch of toilet paper or gauze and easy last minute costume that they regret instantly um so it's it's great i think it's gonna work out just fine how do you guys feel about when we do the like the dvd release Mm. what do you think about burlington coat factory presents wrapped up (laughs) how about dress barn presents wrapped up Hmm. do they just have to choose one of those two well, I'm, I'm just seeing how they feel about it, because they saw that Crayola and Kit Kat were interested, and now I've got more offers. Will either Burlington or Dress Barn be willing to give us the coats and or costumes that we need I mean, in exchange? Neither of them really specialize in, like, period stuff, but if that's what you want, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch that to them. You guys are the artists. The only flaw I'm seeing is that, I mean, not a whole lot of coats in Egypt. It's very hot. And so, you know, I mean, I'm already seeing a challenge, I guess, with the chocolate, but I mean, that's out of my department. That's, that's kind of your guys' uh, problem to solve there. We don't really have a choice on that one, do we? No, you have a choice if you want it. I'll, I'll just... How about occasionally through the movie, Carnivon sends letters back and forth to Shackleton, and that's how we can get the coats in there. Shackleton Burlington, Lord Burlington. Yes, Shackleton and Burlington, down in (laughs) or up in whatever frozen place they were. (laughs) 
We'll leave out their death. I don't think the coat company would be happy about yeah. two men who froze if to you, death. If you put their survived. If you put their stuff in, I don't think they're going to care whether it's you know whatever presents. We'll just call it wrapped up. And as long as they have the line when they're free, at least I'm freezing to death warm. I'm just trying to cover the the international distribution. That's all. Whatever China wants. All right, so I'm going to put this into the uh, movie machine, and it sounds like a candy wrapper being opened right next to the microphone. So audiences are not sure what to make of this one. They aren't sure if the product placement is ironic or intentional. So it does okay in the box office because hipsters think it's ironic. And so like you get hipsters wearing tons of Crayola and Kit Kat branded clothing. Now there's even one guy won the uh, national mustache competition by braiding Crayola crayons into his beard and mustache while wearing a Kit Kat scarf, you know, so so, like that's right on the hipsters, you know, when you shop for mustache wax on Amazon it recommends customers who bought this also bought Kit Kats and Crayola crayons. Mm, It's really mm -hmm. messed up the algorithm. So Amazon isn't happy about that but it's a thing. Good Amazon. That being said, hipsters don't stick with trends for long Mm. so it only does well in the box office for like two weeks and then completely dies off and then by the time it comes out on blu-ray and vod hipsters have forgotten about the trend mm. and moved on to the next thing i think it's a uh, dart throwing bars or something or or like oh no it's it's Isn't musket shooting bar? bars because oh. they have the axe throwing now it's it's black powder musket bars are now all the rage uh-huh. and that's what hipsters are down for so okay. Hmm. Unfortunately, you, you're only able to you, you make your budget back and and then some, but you literally become like when they do. Hey, remember the the 2010s on VH1? They talk about this brief trend of the shitty movie, and that's all you get. So hmm. you have two hours of time travel magic. Do we make our money back? Yeah, you made your money back plus a little extra, but yes. ultimately you're nothing more than a footnote of the decade. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, starting with our writer, do you want to change any of this fate? I mean, I think that we need more catchphrases for The Mummy. I think that if there's anything that filmmaking has shown us, is that, that you do not create a great movie by great casting, or, 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 or great cinematography, hmm. or, or, or even great writing. What it is is catchphrases. So I think that... I'm going to uh, break me off a piece. That could exactly. be one of and, yeah. and, and, and perhaps uh, perhaps Rami Malek can say, well, color me blank ties into the Crayola thing. I, I think leaning into it harder might just be the ticket. All right, cool. The writers added a whole bunch more catchphrases and mm. product placement mm-hmm. lines into the dialogue director. You good with this um, or anything else? Well, gosh, it seems like what we really need to focus on is that longevity. And I wonder if perhaps we've overextended ourselves a little bit too much with all of this product placement. So what I would do is I would keep it there, but tone it back a little bit and maybe have his catchphrases um, when they're Kit Kat related be just a soft whisper. Give me a break. You know, I I feel like uh, it it would make it just a little bit more subtle and uh, maybe a little less um, annoying. And then since the 100th anniversary of the opening of King Tut's tomb is coming up here pretty quick, I think that we could focus on another really big push for this movie in two years. It means that there is a bit of a long game. We would have to set some things up for the future, but remind people that this movie exists. 
You feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about it. You know, hey, my, making my money back is great. That was all the money I ever had. It was it was cool. So yeah, that was that was good that I could like go home and eat, and I have uh, a house now. It's not a big house, but it fits me and a dog, hmm. uh, and possibly a hedgehog. I'm considering getting a hedgehog. Oh, what are their names? Uh, my dog's name is Tandy, and my eventual hedgehog will be named Newton. <laughs> is there anything else you want to change about the film? I think I'm just going to like market a little bit more to kids. I talked to Crayola and they're willing to donate some like supplies to a bunch of different schools around that have like branding and stuff. Mm. So hopefully the kids will like the the free Crayola stuff and they'll ask their parents to go see the movie since it is kind of like a kids thing and that's that's there. Um, and then I'll spend a little bit extra money on like trying to like Halloween it up a little bit, try and market more around Halloween, get like costumes of the characters and stuff into Party City and things like that. So try and make it, even if it doesn't last forever with the adults, make it so that the, the kids like it for a while because parents will spend the money on their kids even if they think it's dumb. All right. So uh, we reconfigure the data in the movie machine. It comes back. Not much has changed except it becomes a little more bigger of a cultural footnote. You're now up to like pet rock status to where you actually make a good amount of money on this piece of crap. And then 15 years down the road, they go, boy, people that are were freaking idiots. They thought that was good. Like kids pulled their parents to the theater thanks to all the school-based propaganda of corporations, you know, based on free pieces of colored wax. The schools basically let the children be brainwashed to like substandard media. Yeah. And, uh, and? you know, so whatever, you, you actually make a good chunk. You, know, you double your budget in the box office. And then uh, you do pretty well. There's a special Blu-ray release that comes with a Crayola 64 set with all color names from the movie, which sells really well. And uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show like we always do with a quote of wisdom from our new patron saint, Jaden Smith. Anyone born on this planet should have a planetary citizenship enabling them to freely explore their home. Thank you, everyone. This has been The Movie Machine. <laughs> I long for the day when I can freely explore my own. <laughs>